0: Barry, can you fill up the cat? The, the, the gas. Cat. <laughs> fill up the gas tank. I didn't like, know we had a cat. No. Oh, god, <laughs> oh <don't>. my god! Oh my
1: god! Welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about writing, publishing, parenthood, and marriage. I am Barry Liga. With me once more is my co-host, my wife, my partner in crime, my co-author, Morgan Baden. Hi. Hi, Hi guys. One hundred.
0: I think it's really fitting that you're leading the one hundredth episode because this was all your idea.
1: this was all my idea and and like most of my ideas, brilliant
0: <laughs> okay, um but I really wanted to stop many times <laughs> just putting that out there this is true but and I don't mean like actively wanted to stop, I just mean couldn't be bothered a yeah. lot of the time, um but you really drive this so thank
1: it, you. it it is hard to find mm-hmm. the time. Um, not just for recording, but it takes me a while to edit and put the show together and the website and all that stuff. And it, it, especially with the, the year that we just got out of, yeah. um, there were times where this could not be a priority. Um, but I'm glad we stuck with it and I we made too. it, we made it to a hundred later than we thought we would. We thought <laughs> it would be sooner than, than this, but here we are and we've got something I hope our listeners will find fun mm-hmm. um, for this episode as you are listening to this episode occasionally we're going to uh, shut up and let some other people talk we put the word out to a small group of people that our 100th episode was coming up and we ask them to just record their advice about writing publishing parenthood and or marriage or any combination of those topics and we have six uh, little bits of advice that will be Playing for you throughout the episode um, and commenting on a little bit,
0: all of which I think are so good,
1: yeah, they're all very different, yeah, which is what's fun
0: i'm really grateful to people for recording these and sending them yeah, in. yeah so, thanks, so thank
1: you very much to to those folks and those of you that we contacted who did not get back to us, you know who you are, and you're off the Christmas card list <laughs> there you go um, I want to start out um, by flipping the script a little bit, uh-huh. and instead of talking about what we're reading at the end of the show, I want to talk about it at the beginning of the show. Oh, okay, because I have a rant. Oh, you do. Okay. <laughs> but first, w- what are you? What are you reading? Well, just As last if I didn't night. Know. I
0: know. Just last night, I finished uh, the secret history of Twin Peaks. Yes. Which I bought for you for what did I buy it for?
1: Christmas. Valentine's.
0: Valentine's, really? Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: it's the most romantic thing anybody has ever. <laughs> Bought for me in my entire life.
0: Oh, it's definitely one of those gifts that I was like, I'll use this. Right. Um, did I talk about this on the podcast before
1: you mentioned? Yes. We've talked about it briefly, but you hadn't finished it yet. Right. Yeah. Now, now that you're done with it, you need to move on to the final dossier. I do. And then we can have a serious conversation. But in the meantime, just quickly. Yeah. Quick Quick impression. Yeah. Uh,
0: Tough to get into because as I mentioned in the previous episode, it's a lot of um, several hundred years old history. And
1: it's not really a novel. Yes. Yeah. It's
0: not really novel. It's kind of part true and part not and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I said, there's somewhere around the halfway point where I found myself like so eager to go to bed so I could read a few pages. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, so it definitely does one of those, um, one of those things where you're suddenly super antsy to read it. Uh, overall, I really enjoyed it. It is, um, otherworldly in a lot of ways, yeah. much like twin peaks, the yeah. show. And, um, didn't like it, it surprised me. It surprised me in certain spots, which was nice. Um, Sorry, yeah, I liked it.
1: Do do you feel like it enhanced your enjoyment of the show?
0: Uh wow, that's a good good question, and I don't know the answer. Hmm. Okay.
1: We'll talk about that again after yeah. after you read the final. Yeah, boss. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. let's
0: circle back on yeah. that one. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's I'm gonna let me crack open this beer. <laughs> Get ready for a, a lag and rant.
1: I just you know, I, I read a book recently and I'm not gonna say what it is or who it's by, because again, I, I don't believe in writers. <laughs> um ripping apart other writers yeah. um in public like that especially when it's in a venue like this where this person has no opportunity to defend him right. himself i will say it's to him though for reasons well, that are about to become very obvious i just read this book recently where it was so regressive in its depiction of really the only female character um and it bothered me from the beginning, from the moment she was introduced and in what way in the, in the, in the extraordinary focus on her physical attractiveness. ah, And it, he does the thing that male authors often do where she was so hot and so smart, you oh, know, oh, Yeah, it's one of those. I didn't know
0: she was so hot.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Or, or was so aware of it and it was such a burden and uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And, it bothered me on so many levels, one of which is that, especially when you only have one prominent female character in a book,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it behooves you to make that a well-rounded character. Yeah. Now, the fact that there's only one female character in the book is not quite as egregious as it might sound, because really, there's only three characters in this okay. book. Um, <laughs> For real? I mean, three characters that matter. Okay. I mean, everybody else is sort of ancillary, um, so it, it's not as big a deal as as it might be otherwise. But... It just—it really—it felt incredibly trite, and you know, I—I I, I don't have a problem with characters being attractive. I don't have a problem with the author calling in, calling out that the character is attractive. That's fine. I like attractive people. Uh, I wrote one of the very first blogs I ever wrote was about literary versus popular fiction, okay. and how, as best I could tell, the the major distinction between those two is that in popular fiction, everybody's good looking. <laughs> Like, in literary fiction, you can have ugly people, right? But in popular fiction, everybody's everybody's good-looking. And if they're not good-looking, there's usually, like, some horrible reason for it. Um, but this was just so bothersome because, you know, he goes out of his way to say she's smart, too, but it never matters okay. in the course of the story. All that matters is that she's hot, and the, two, the other two characters, sort of, without ever directly getting into it, are sort of competing, quote-unquote, for, for her. It just bothered me so much because it's a relatively modern book and it's like, this is, let's just get past this. But
0: I'm, I'm a little unclear on what you're saying because is it that they, if she only existed to be hot? Like what? what That's what it, it, yes, that's what it
1: feels like. Even, even though, again, the author goes to pains to say she's really super smart, Uh but since her super smartness never has anything to do with anything. Okay. It doesn't matter. It's just mentioned almost as a way of of uh, almost as a way of making it not so bad that he's just constantly talking about how hot she is. Okay. And he is constantly oh, talking God. about how hot she is.
0: And and is it like the the parody tweets that we saw a few weeks ago of, God, of women I mean, describing themselves? Yeah, like, I mean it, it
1: it it really. <laughs> you know that perhaps if i hadn't just seen those tweets uh it might not have hit me so much but i, I think it would have it just it felt like i said incredibly regressive mm-hmm. some people may call me out on this because uh you know when i wrote goth girl rising like she talks about her own appearance quite a bit okay. in goth girl rising um but there's a reason for that and she basically directly says that she does that because she's aware that she lives in a society where that's all a lot of people care about
0: well she's also a 15 year old she's girl. also
1: a 15 year old girl yeah um But, yeah, this is just an obsessive attention to how hot this girl is. And, guys, stop doing this. (laughs) Like, seriously. I mean, I know men who write and men who want to be writers listen to this podcast. There's nothing wrong with having a hot woman in your book. That's fine. But you got to find something else for her to be and something else for her to do other than eye candy or arm candy. And, you know... You can't just say she was super hot and also spoke 25 languages and then not have the fact that she speaks 25 languages contribute to the story at all. Right. Like I don't like care how is sm- right. I don't care how smart she is. If it doesn't matter, then it's just you covering your ass and trying to say, "Oh no, she's a fully realized a character. Yeah, Look at how yeah. smart she is, blah blah blah." Yeah. Anyway, that just there that that's all. Okay. I just wanted to rant about that and okay. get that off my chest and I feel a little better now.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. So. We exist here to make you feel better.
1: Hey, why do you think I suggested this podcast, this podcast in the first place? It is so much cheaper than therapy. <laughs> it is so much cheaper than therapy. Alright, we are going to go ahead now and give you guys the first of our uh, of our guest advisors. So, listen up.
2: Hi, this is Carolyn Mackler, author of the soon-to-be-released YA novel, The Universe is Expanding and So Am I. And my work slash family slash marriage advice to writers is give yourself permission to slow down. Quality over quantity, that kind of thing. When I published my first novel 18 years ago, I had this crazy idea that I would write 10 novels in 10 years and it's been 18 years and I just finished my 10th novel. So do the math, it didn't quite work out. But what happened along the way was I had kids. Well, I got married and then I had kids. And then I decided I wanted to spend time with my kids and really wanted to put all that energy, that creative energy into parenting them and to having a solid marriage. And so writing, while it was still important, I shared it with parenting and family and decided not to just stress out and try to write novels that I wasn't really committed to. So I gave myself permission to slow down, enjoyed the family, enjoyed the parenting, and um, also enjoyed the novel writing. I don't think I would have liked it as much if I was trying to stay on that book a year schedule. So yeah, slow down, enjoy it all. Take care.
1: So what do you think of that? First of all, thank you, Carolyn, yes. for for helping out. Yeah. What do you think?
0: Uh I mean, I th- I, I think it's. Something that hits very close to home for me right now. Um, I think goal setting is super important, especially when you're a writer or any kind of creative career. Um, But I, if I know one thing about parenthood, it's that everything you thought you would be or do during parenthood is wrong.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's like something my friends uh, who were in the army said to me many times, which is no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Right. And I am. I am enamored of that phrase, and I use it all the time. Yeah. Um, And it's true. It is. In in this case, your children are the enemy. And it's like, whatever you've got planned for yourself, it's probably not going to go that way.
0: And like you can, up until the day before you have your child, think that you're going to want to quit your job and stay home and blah, blah, blah. And then the kid comes, and 10 weeks later, you're like, oh, hell no, I'm going back to work. (laughs) Or the opposite. Right. Or the opposite again i mean even when i look at um the differences in my attitude between each kid right um like with breastfeeding for example sure yeah i am still so like i just surprised myself with how much i didn't want to do it the second time around and i loved it so much the first time around and i thought it was so important and i was an evangelist for it and this is why
1: our son hates you
0: (laughs) maybe but with him like as you know, and I don't know if I talked about my breastfeeding journey on on this podcast at all, but um, it was a struggle. I did not enjoy it. Yeah. I didn't get those lovey warm feelings the way I did with our daughter, and I weaned him at two months and switched right to formula, and suddenly became all about fed is best. Don't like your time, moms. Your time is worth something too, and you know. all Anyway, just the the extreme swing from one side to the other so my point is i totally understand where carolyn is coming from and again these are things that i struggle with right now as i think about what my future holds um it's really remarkable to see what changes
1: we're going to talk about your future in just a second but first of all i just want to point out that it it sort of amuses me the first time i listened to what carolyn sent us she wanted to do 10 books in 10 years and she ended up taking 18 years to do 10 books and Which, I,
0: hello, still an amazing no, accomplishment. No, still an
1: amazing accomplishment, but it just cracks me up that it's flipped for me. I did 18 books in 10 years. Oh, my, you did? <laughs> it might have been 11 years. Oh but, my God. Yeah, 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 so that that just sort of, yeah, that, that kind of cracked me up. Um, but I completely understand. I mean, if if I had been married, Earlier in those in those uh, ten years, yeah. if we'd had kids earlier in those yeah. ten years, I'm sure that would have slowed sure. me down. Despite the fact that I did five books last year, mm-hmm. I think it still would have slowed me down quite a bit. Yeah. So thank you very much, Carolyn. Now let's talk about your future because our collaboration. Yeah. We have signed the contract. We
0: have signed our contract. We have the sent contract in the- has
1: been countersigned and has come yeah. back to us.
0: <laughs> We've sent in the first draft. We
1: sent in the first draft. And probably by the next time, we could talk about it now. There's no reason we couldn't. No, I'm going wait. But there's going to be an official announcement um, that's going to be sometime in the next couple of weeks. Yes. So hopefully by the next time we talk to you, dear listeners, uh, we will be able to tell you a little bit more about this. We will give you the whole history of it and the whole long, crazy story. It's a doozy. It is. It is. <laughs> but... I'm so glad that that uh, that we're gonna finally get to talk about
0: it. I know, it. I'm really excited. Yeah. yeah.
1: So now we're gonna go ahead and uh, let you listen to another guest host.
3: Hello Barry and Morgan, John Scovron here. Uh, not only am I a fantasy author, but uh, for the last eight years I've been doing this single parent thing. Um, my ex and I divorced back in 2010, early 2010, and we do a joint custody 50-50, so every other week um, I have my two boys, uh, who are now 12 and 14, uh, soon to be 13 and 15. Um, anyway, uh, my writing advice is, well, okay, I I hesitate to call it advice because I'm a little suspect of anyone who tells you there's one way that's the right way or the good way to parent. Uh, This is more advice for survival advice for single parents. Um, And they're somewhat interrelated. So first of all, um, as a writer, uh, make sure you value your time. especially when you're working from home, it can be tempting to do chores, grocery shopping, that sort of thing in the middle of the day while the boys are at school, your kids are at school. Um, But that's prime writing time. Um, And it doesn't honestly kill them to go to Safeway with you on a Sunday. Um, So keeping that in mind that my main suggestion is to make sure your kids do as much as they can on their own as soon as they can. Um, It may be a little uncomfortable at first, they will absolutely protest, Um, but the day that I realized my kids could make their own lunches for school was like a gift from heaven. Um, You know, there's no reason by the time they're in middle school where they can't make their own breakfasts, make their own lunch, wash their own uh, clothes, um, make their own beds, that sort of thing. It obviously gives them a sense of independence. And it also, more importantly for single parents, uh, takes a huge load off of them. Um, So, you know, I don't know why I was so reluctant to get them to do that initially, but I was. And I am so grateful that I had a few fellow parents kind of sit me down and be like, John, come on, man, really, you don't need to be making their lunches at this age. Um, So I would just urge all of you parent writers out there to consider... Uh, those things, uh, and that's that's all I got for you. Uh, good luck with and congratulations on your hundredth podcast! Yay!
0: So I feel like John was really speaking to you with that one.
1: <laughs> you know, John and I have talked about this topic quite a bit over yeah. the years. So possibly, yeah, yeah. No,
0: but I really like. I think it's super important for for me to even hear that too about making space for your own writing. Yeah, um, you are the parent who stays home.
1: Mm-hmm. I go to work. Yes.
0: But you're working too. And it's very easy for me to be like, "Barry will deal with that. Barry will deal with that. Barry are you going to the store? Barry can you go get the car fixed? Barry can you fill up the cat the, the the gas? <laughs> fill up the gas tank." I didn't like, know we had a cat. <laughs> oh god, <we laughs> oh <don't>. my god.
1: Oh my god. at all?
0: Anyway, um but it's tr- like I think I'm sure it's a struggle for you to To honor the time that you have during the day.
1: I mean, there are days, you know, I have basically from, say, 8.15 in the morning Uh until 3.45 in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, That's the time when I drop off the kids to when I pick up the kids. And it seems like a huge amount of time, but everything that you do starts to eat into it. Yeah. You know, if I want to go to the gym... That's an hour taken out of that chunk. And then another half hour when I come home, get a shower, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it just starts to whittle away at it. And, yeah, going to the store, you know, all these things don't take a huge amount of time in and of themselves. but They do start to add up. Yeah. And, yeah, so I've, I've sort of I try to prioritize the writing. I try to make that the first thing that I do. Yeah. I try to plan everything else for later in the day. Um, doesn't always work that way. Yeah. Um, you know, we had some guys in the house last week putting mm-hmm. in some air conditioning for us, which is very nice. And I was here and had to deal with deal them, with them yeah. and everything. And, and so not a lot of work got done. But, um, I, I, yeah, you, you've got to prioritize your writing if, if you want to be able to do this. It, it can't be the thing you do after you do everything else. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, hey, as far as I'm concerned – you know, as soon as we can teach Leia how to drive, she can take Luke to daycare. <laughs> so any well, day now.
0: It was funny because I was thinking about John's comments about um, letting kids, like forcing them to be a, more independent when they're ready to. Um, and how with our daughter, especially like she's potty trained, but she still insists that I pull down her pants for her. Yeah. That I hand her the toilet up. paper. Yep, yeah. Yep. I know she does all of this by herself at daycare. Oh
1: yeah, and yeah, every they now and put then, up with that no, they do not. Oh yes. hell no!
0: And every now and then, like she'll do it without thinking, right? And then remember that I'm there and be like, "No, can you do it? Yep. You do it. You uh, help me." Yep. Um, so it's that's a, that's a
1: constant struggle. Oh, I mean, it's even as as it doesn't even have to be anything as dramatic as as the potty. Yeah. When I bring her home from daycare every day, and she walks into the house, she asks me to take off her jacket yes. and her shoes and socks. She is perfectly capable yep. of doing that. I have watched her yep. walk into daycare and whip off her jacket mm-hmm. no problem uh-huh. you know, easily. And sometimes we come home and, again, she forgets. Yeah. And she will come home and she'll take off her jacket and take off her shoes and yep. socks and put them neatly by the door. Uh-huh. And and I'm like, oh, very good. And she gets this look like, oh, Aww. man.
0: I could have had him do it. That's yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, very funny.
1: So, yeah, it, it can it can take a while to <laughs> to get them to do that stuff. I want to. Uh, I've got some sad news for this okay. episode that people may or may not uh, be aware of. Uh, Glimmer Train is being discontinued. For those of you who don't know, Glimmer Train is a really wonderful literary journal. Uh, its last issue will be fall of 2019. And it holds a special place in my heart because it was the first place where I was paid for mm. my writing.
2: Oh.
1: Um, and I had wanted to be in glimmer train for a long time i really liked it it was a really it's a really nice journal it's run by two sisters they've run it for for years and years and years and um and i had always sort of held it up as a as a high watermark for yeah. for literary excellence and i was really pleased in 2003 when my short story trading worlds was accepted and published and uh they have decided to hang up their hats which hey Good on them.
0: <laughs> is that, I mean, is that the reasoning? They're just ready to uh, You know,
1: they, they sent out a very nice email to, uh, to all the contributors from, from the past okay. tell, saying that this was happening. Um, and just reading between the lines, it just seems like it's time. Okay. You know, to, to take some time off. Uh, this is a labor of love for them. And I guess they just would like to relax a little bit. And, yeah. and you know, even even publishing something quarterly, it can be a grind. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, especially when you get swamped with submissions and, and, and have to, you know, go through and read and vet and all that stuff. So anyway, if you've never checked out Glimmer Train before... Go go check it out. It's really it's it's some really good writing, and they really the cool thing about it is they treat the authors like rock stars. Um, you know you don't just get your story published. They want a picture of you when you were a baby, and the Aww. story and the story behind the picture, <laughs> and they want you to write a little mini essay in the back explaining your how you decided to write your story, uh. and and they just they just do really nice things. Yeah. Um. So it, it, it's a really nice uh it's a nice publication. So check Aww. it out if you haven't already. That's a bummer. Yeah. So let us now move on.
4: Hi, my name is Julia Graper, and I have three pieces of parenting advice that I think about all the time. Um, The first is actually an email I got from my friend and yours, uh, Melissa Walker, when I was 12 days postpartum and having a super hard time. Um, This is what she said. Here's what helped me in my moments of clear thinking. This baby has everything she needs and more. She will thrive even if these first days are hard. I will feed her as I can and that will either be enough or will supplement and it's all okay. And I will ask for help and time to sleep when I need it. And I will find very small moments each day that are so full of wonder and joy that I can hardly stand it. Um, And I received that email six years ago, and I've read it about a million times, and it still almost makes me cry. It was exactly what I needed at that time. But the advice I take from that is, especially when you're a very new parent, is to remind yourself that you're doing a good job, that your child has what they need, even when times are really tough. And also, to reach out to new moms, you don't have to say the perfect thing or you can just say something. You know, you can just say, it's hard, I know, I've been there, you're doing great. And that can help a lot. Um, The second piece of advice I think about all the time is actually from the blogger, Joanna Goddard, who runs Cup of Joe. Um, Back in November 2012, she wrote a blog post called, Do your eyes light up when you see your child? And she shared the advice that you shouldn't take for granted that your kid knows how happy you are to be around them and that you shouldn't take for granted how wonderful it feels for someone to be so enchanted by your very existence. So she put into practice being really mindful of both being and appearing really happy when her son walked into the room. And I try to do that too. And I think it's just it's really it's really nice for anybody, but especially for your child. Um, And the last thing I think about all the time is from the parenting expert Janet Lansbury. Um, who parents of toddlers should definitely follow on Facebook. Uh, Janet Lansbury really advocates listening to your child, and I've taken that to heart. And sometimes you think your kid can be is being difficult just for the sake of it or has picked some arbitrary thing to get upset about for no reason. But I've found over the years that when I stop assuming, um, I often find that she has pretty legit reasons for her feelings. So, for example, when she was three... And we had just potty trained her. She started absolutely refusing to wear jeans, and I just assumed it was some arbitrary toddler, toddler nonsense. But then I asked her about it, and it took a bunch of times. But I asked her about it, and found out that because she was newly potty trained, that managing the snaps and zippers on jeans totally stressed her out. Which, once I discovered the reason, I thought was perfectly reasonable so it wasn't just her being a pain it was you know a real thing and a real feeling and something that i needed to respect so those are three things that have really guided me okay thanks
1: wow <laughs> that's that's a lot i mean that's some wonderful advice that there's julia it's like have a you whole, thought
0: of having your own podcast as you say that's like a whole
1: mini parenting podcast yeah. in in three minutes yeah um you know, the, the bit about listening to your kids, especially, like yeah. really, really came home for me because, you know, Leia for a long time was having trouble sleeping. Yeah. And I remember very distinctly one night you were doing something with Luke. Uh, I think giving him a bath, and Leia wanted to roll around in our bed, which she likes to do. It's her
0: favorite place. Yeah. And
1: uh, so she was in in the bed, and I went in. And she was, Daddy, you know, you know, lay down. So I laid down in the bed, and she looked at me very seriously with this very very mature, grown up expression, and said, "I don't know how to sleep." And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and we had this whole conversation about it, and it was it was really great. And yeah. it's like, it's not like it fixed the problem, but. It was sort of interesting to know that she was aware there was a problem.
0: Well, except since then well, we've and then, discovered. But
1: then I, I think there are two different <laughs> things though. There was a th- she recently has taken to saying, I'm I... having trouble sleeping, uh-huh. which we have learned now is her parroting something that her best friend says at school.
0: And we know that because when we picked up the kids, her one best day... friend
1: came up to us and said, I told Leia that I have trouble sleeping. <laughs>
0: And so that night when Leah tried to pull it with me, I said, no, honey, that's what your best friend said. It's not you. And she was like, oh, right. (laughs) So, well, I appreciate your sweet talk and and meaningful conversation with her. I don't know that I
1: think. I I maintain that the two things are separate. (laughs) That the I'm having trouble sleeping is directly attributable to her best friend who is a very bad influence on her. And that the... I don't know how to sleep was an actual genuine uh, expression from her. Okay, and I choose to believe that, and I'm sticking to it. That that is my truth, Morgan, and I'm I'm sticking to it. The other thing that that really w- I enjoyed in what Julia said was the bit about being excited when you see your kids. Yeah,
0: I really like that. I
1: really like that a lot because there are days when you know I go to pick up the kids and I haven't had the best day. Or I haven't yeah. like, achieved what I wanted to achieve, and I really just the last thing I want to do is go pick up the kids and be daddy mm-hmm. but as soon as that daycare door opens I, I throw my arms yeah. open, I have a big smile on my face, yeah. I scream their names, yeah. um they scream mine and run over <laughs> and it's it's great um yeah, that's really important. Yeah. You know,
0: um, a former coworker of mine once shared with me an article about, um, how being a PR professional is the same as being a mom. And <laughs> one of the examples was, um, you know, if you're running an event or attending an event or whatever, and it's 6am, you have to be on and you have to be smiling and you have to be peppy and blah, blah, blah. And it's similar to when you go wake up your kids for school, like, you're excited. Hey, guys, good morning. You know, yeah. like, no matter what, you have to be in that frame of mind um, in order to, like, you know, make your kids feel good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's so true. I think that's a, just a really nice way of clarifying it is, like, are your eyes lighting up?
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
0: Um, I do want to say, Julie and I work together, and um, she has a five-year-old and has always been, like, one of my favorite people to have parenting conversations with.
1: Wow. Oh um that's why you asked her to that is exactly yeah. yes
0: so anyway thank you julia
1: yes thank you julia let's actually jump right in to somebody else
0: okay
1: here's our next guest
0: hello my name is kate and i've known morgan for coming up on 13 years morgan that is a terribly long time wow um so just a few words of advice and all very simple stuff on parenthood always, always, always accept help. I am a big believer in the fact that it does take a village and never buy all the books because they'll just get tell you conflicting things and get your sleep-deprived brain confused. And also, as soon as you feel smug about having mastered something, it is bound to change. So always be prepared to ch- for change. And on marriage, ask for what you want and need. You can't expect the other person to be a mind reader. Your podcast has seen me through two maternity leaves. I love it, and I look forward to it every week. Thank you, guys.
1: That could not have been more British. <laughs> there is no way in the world that could have been more British. Uh, I am assuming that she was eating beans on toast <laughs> and a cucumber sandwich at the time
3: because
1: and with the, with some tea nearby, because that was very British, and I loved every second of it.
0: Um. I did too and I adore Kate and I also can't believe we've known each other for 13 years but anyway um I really I thought it was interesting that both her parenting and her marriage advice included asking for things. Yeah. So for parenting it's ask for help. Yeah. Um and I would add on to that accept any help offered. Yeah,
1: yeah, which yeah. she says, yeah.
0: Um and then with marriage which I think was really Astute, And also something uh, no one else talked about marriage, did right. they? So thank you, Kate, for being the only person to be brave enough to offer marriage advice um, <laughs> to ask for what you want because your partner is not a mind reader. Uh, and I think obviously that's super important and um, a really good reminder.
1: Yeah, definitely. Very important. I also like that she says, ignore the books. Don't, yes. buy, don't buy all the books because uh-huh. God, that is true. Uh-huh. I mean, I remember in the early days of Leia when she was having trouble sleeping. Some things don't change Uh, when she was having trouble sleeping. And I would just go and read everything I could about sleeping. And they all contradicted each other. You know, this one was like, you know, don't go into the room, you know, all night. And the the next one was like, no, go in every time she cries. Uh And it was, yeah, it'll drive you crazy. Yeah. You got to pick a philosophy and stick to Uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that philosophy should be your gut.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree.
0: Thanks, Kate.
1: Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you. Next up, we're gonna hear from Melissa Walker. Take it away, Melissa.
2: So my
5: writing and my parenthood advice actually is pretty simple, kind of new agey, a little bit Oprah, but I'm gonna say it anyway. And it is, be where you are. I guess that could mean be in the now, be in the moment but what I really mean by it is when you're writing let yourself be in that world and give yourself space and quiet and time to really dive in. I feel the same way about parenthood. I find that when I'm distracted or if I check my phone or if I'm thinking about something else, my kids notice and they act differently. They act out, they try to get my attention, they just do things in a way that's a little more stressful than if I just sit with them and meet them where they are. So I really try to do that. I'm never perfect at it, but it's something that I strive for in both writing and parenthood.
0: I freaking love this advice.
1: Yeah, seriously.
0: Between Melissa and Julia, like, guys, can you write a parenting book? (laughs) Please? Um, No, but I listen, we are all parents in the 21st century, and it is very hard to to not have your phone in front of your face all the time. Right. Uh, Like on weekends when you're with your kids, whatever. Um, And I'm aware of it, and I know I do it. Uh, I think I'm really good com- when I come home from work. Yeah. And like, don't re- almost, uh, mostly don't look at it at all. I'm certainly not like scrolling Facebook or anything like that. Um, but I do occasionally have to check a work email. But it's the weekends that I really struggle with. Yeah.
1: The weekends are tough because it's long yeah. stretches of time. And especially sometimes, sometimes the kids are occupying themselves. Yeah. Uh huh. And so you you, you do what everybody does when they have a spare moment today and you reach in your pocket for your phone. Um, I have taken to not all the time, but sometimes um, when I get the kids from daycare each day, when we get home, I will put my phone in my office and close the office door so that that. so that I can't be on my phone. Yeah, Um, people will say, Barry, what if there's an emergency? What if there's a text or a phone call that comes through that you've got to see? Well, that's why I have the Apple Watch, Yeah, (laughs) because I can still get that stuff, but I can't browse the Internet on my watch. Yeah.
0: But I also think um, the phone conversation is one thing, but just the general concept of being more present, being where you are. um, You don't need a phone to be distracted. Right. So um, I liked what Melissa said about, you know, sometimes if she's thinking about something when she's with her kids, they notice that, too. Kids are... Hella astute. Yep. Um so anyway, so I, that's something I'm I really strive to do.
1: Yeah, and, and it's tough. We've and I mean I I struggle with that constantly. We've mm-hmm. talked before on the show about how my brain is always churning yeah. whatever story I'm working on. And yeah. yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah. Um you know, to uh, you know, to to be present. Yeah. When when you're off somewhere else in your head. Yeah. And that's just something that I I Continue to work on. Yeah.
0: Um, the good news is, is that when you are fully present, God, the the sheer wonder in the moments that yeah. you spend yep. with your kids, in particular, um, God, it's just I can't even speak about it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I think I think that the flip side is true too. Like if you're writing yeah. or working, be, be present. Yeah. Be writing. Be working. Um. You know. Yep. That's important too. Mm-hmm. You know we. Everybody talks so much about multitasking and, and you know, we, we've we sort of yanked this terminology from computer science and tried to apply it to our wetware. But our brains are not actually designed for that. Mm-hmm. Computers are designed for that.
0: Yeah.
1: We are not. And, you know, it, it, we wear it almost as a badge of honor, like oh, I'm doing 15 things at once. You're probably doing 14 of them really badly yeah. in that case. Slow down. Do one thing at a time um, and and do it really well and then move on to the next thing. Mhm. That's really important. Yeah. It's a tough thing to easy to say, tough to do.
0: Thanks Melissa.
1: Thanks Melissa. Um we want to talk about uh, a little parenting scare that we had. Ugh, um yeah. we we talked we talked a few weeks ago about Luke having an episode when he ate something and we thought that he was allergic to something and we have confirmation now yeah. that he's allergic to peanuts.
0: Yeah. I I'm like still processing this. It's been what four weeks?
1: Yeah, something yeah. like that. And
0: I'm truly still processing it.
1: Yeah, it was. You know, I don't. I don't want to make too big an issue of it,
0: N-nor because do I.
1: obviously a lot of people deal with this. And his his allergy seems to not be of the sort where, you know, if he just inhales peanut protein. He has an immediate reaction.
0: Yeah, um, like it's so far, it doesn't appear to be that he can't walk into a
1: room right. in which
0: someone has consumed right. a peanut. He has
1: to actually ingest yeah. the peanut. Um, and as the doctor told us repeatedly, for the next few years, you two decide what goes into his mouth. Right. So, so
0: we don't have to worry we about just, it.
1: We just don't give him anything with peanuts in yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we are more aware of that now. You know, checking ingredients on things and and all that. Um,
0: Guys, my shampoo. It yeah. is manufactured in a plant that uses peanuts. Right. So I was like, oh can he not use this shampoo? I mean, it's shampoo for color treated hair. I'm not giving it to him. But my point is, like, it's not everywhere. until you start dying his hair at That's least. Right. Yes. I was thinking a nice bright green.
1: Oh. I would um, be up for that. Yeah. Anyway, it's weird. It 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 is weird. And again, a lot of people suffer from this and a lot of people have it a lot worse. So I don't want to make this yeah. like a great tragedy or anything. In in the grand scheme of things it's extraordinarily inconvenient right now, well, but but, but it's I, also
0: very scary, but
1: it is scary, and I and you know my first reaction when we had confirmation that he was allergic to peanuts it was really weird, like it was like there was this part of me that that felt like, oh, he's sick, mm. like he's fragile there's there's mm-hmm. something wrong with him, I have to be gentle with him, you know and and it took about thirty six hours for me to sort of shake out of that and go like, no. He's fine. He just can't eat a Reese's peanut butter cup. Right, yeah. Like, but he's perfectly yeah. healthy. He's this exact same kid. Yeah. He just can't eat certain things. Yeah. Um, but we
0: did have a scare a week
1: ago. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, he ate. He ate dinner normally. Yeah. And then you and I and your mom were eating. Yeah. No peanut products at all. At all. None. Um, and because he's a little eater, he came up to the table and we one of us picked him up. Both of us, I think, at different yeah. times. And we're feeding him from our plates, chicken and carrots. Yeah. And then right before bed, like, he got a little rash on his cheek. It yeah. looks nothing like his hives yeah, from the last yeah. time. But I was freaking out. And I just kept hearing the doctor say over and over, when in doubt, give the medicine. Right. So um, he has an EpiPen. But the first step before the EpiPen are these two prescription drugs. Um, and you're supposed to give those to him wait and see what happens, and then decide if you need the EpiPen. Right. Um, and I just felt like we needed to give him the medicine. So we did. Um, it didn't get worse. And it, it seemed to start going down, and he seemed fine. So we did not, luckily, have to give the EpiPen. Uh, and then it was way past his bedtime, so then he went to bed. But I started crying. <laughs> it was just, I, I think that's when it just hit me of like, oh, like, there could be a moment where this is life or death. Like, and that's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I remind myself that even if he didn't have a peanut allergy, there are many things that could be matters of life and death for him. Of course. You know, and I mean, I feel like. But we're, like, we're well armed, like, we have everything that we need. Well, that's what I was gonna know? say
0: was like, the fact that I that we have a pens in our existence in yeah. our household, and that we have to carry them around with us to quite literally potentially save our baby's life. Yeah, that's what's weird. I think that's what I'm having trouble coming to terms with right. is like, it, it will be one of us saving him if, yeah, if something happens, you yeah. know, and that's so weird to think about. Right. I don't know, like, the actual tactile moment of like holding his little body down and jabbing an EpiPen in him is terrifying.
1: <laughs> That's why we're really careful with what we feed him. Yeah. Because I don't want to have to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I have an EpiPen because I have, I have an allergy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't want to have to do it to myself. Yeah. Much less to my kid. Yeah. So yeah. No, uh-uh, nope.
0: Anyway, these are the thing. this is just something we're dealing with now. And yeah. it's, yeah. you know.
1: And again, it's not the worst thing. No, of course not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. We have one more piece of advice, and then we will bid you all adieu. Here we go.
5: Hey, I'm Maggie Lehrman, executive editor at Abrams Books, and my advice to writers is that if you have a partner who's not in publishing and friends who are, remember to occasionally stop talking about Inside Baseball. You will know the moment because your partner will get a distant, far-off gaze, and you'll realize you haven't heard their voice in several hours. Also, try not to let the business define you or expect it to give you meaning. I don't know where meaning actually comes from, but it's definitely not here.
2: Thanks.
0: I love that. I don't know where a meeting actually comes from, but it's definitely not publishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um, that, I mean, I think that is fabulous advice. I, th- I think both things that she said, but but to take the the second one first. Yeah. It is so easy, especially, you know, for people like like me or like you who have wanted this mm-hmm. for so long, you know, have wanted to be published, have wanted to make a living writing. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to make that the, the primary part of your identity. Right. And yeah, it, you know, again, I, I've said this before, I've quoted him before, but Stephen King said, you know, um, life is not a support system for art. Art mm-hmm. is a support system for life. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember that, like, this is not the totality of who you are yeah. or what you are. Uh, it is something you do yes. and that's fine, but there are other things you do and other things that make you the person that you are besides this. That's something I struggled with for a long time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and certainly getting married and having kids helped quite a bit with that <laughs> because you can't yeah, define yourself that way anymore. There yeah. are too many other things going on. Yeah. But as far as the first bit goes, that cracked me up because I remember my 40th birthday. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, we we did it at a karaoke place we did. In, in the city And uh, your sister was there, your twin sister, and then a bunch of my friends, a bunch of basically writers and agents and editors. And I remember at the end of the night, your sister saying to you, "Does Barry know anybody who's not in
0: publishing?" Oh, I don't remember that. That's funny. That's
1: and it was funny because the answer was not really. Yeah.
0: Well, it's that's just funny because I immediately, listening to that, thought of my twin sister Uh because she and a bunch of our friends work in the reproductive rights movement. And there are many a times when we're out to dinner or whatever, and the conversation gets really in the weeds yeah. about the repro movement. And like, I can participate up until, you know, about two feet deep. Right. And then I'm out and the conversation will go on for hours. Right. <laughs> so, so I know what that feels like from this side. Yeah. So I don't want to do it from the other side. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm sure you and I can be in danger of that sometimes. So, oh, sure. Yeah,
1: sure. And it's only going to get worse. Yeah. When our book is announced, which, again, should be soon, we hope. (laughs) And uh, we will tell you all the dirty details as soon as we can. Uh, We're really looking forward to it. We've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, On that note, I think we're going to wrap up our 100th episode. We want to thank our six guest hosts. Melissa Walker, Kate Wendelboe, Julia Graper, Carolyn Mackler, John Scovran, and Maggie Larriman. Thank you very much. We've had so much fun doing this show. We are going to keep doing it. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) That did sound like a closing there, didn't it? It really
1: did. I I realized as I was saying it. And 100 is a round, convenient number. It is. But once episode 101 comes out, that's not a round, convenient number anymore. And then we have to go to at least 150. Oh, geez. So there you go. (sighs) We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Follow us online on Twitter at uh, WIRL Podcast. Visit the website at writinginreallife.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. We would love it. And we will see you again soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.